comic that it's all so tragic It's that humdrum novel, old black magic Let's have a laugh after we cry Let's hope we live before we die The silly clown's red nose is running And it's tragic that it's all so funny It's crucial and it doesn't matter Vows of love are idle chatter To feel this good has to be bad I'm so damn happy that it's sad Dear listener, would you like to slap me? And the sad thing is I'm so damn happy Yes, the sad thing is I'm so damn happy Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. I say a weekly podcast, we have been somewhat absent in the last couple of weeks. David, the editor, serving a, a one-pod suspension because of that. So joining me this week to discuss a, a, an end, pretty disappointing weekend for Partick Thistle, Jamie McDonald. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Matt. Obviously, it's a wild game on Friday night, so a lot to talk about. Heather Holloway's here. Heather, are you well? Yeah, good, thanks Matt. Finally warmed up after a very cold day at Peters Hill and um, and quite a disappointing weekend for all things Thistle, but glad to be back on the podcast, hoping this one makes it out on air after two solid performances that, um, that no one will ever get to hear. If you're listening to this, you obviously are, check the timestamp for when this was released. If this was released any later than midday on Thursday, please do submit your application to become our editor because we'll be looking for a new one by then. And rounding off our panel is Ken Boswell. Ken, how are you? I'm very good. I was up until 2am this morning at a Christmas cocktail party, which for someone in my age is is quite wearing, but I'll see if I can stay awake through the the whole pod here. Cocktails and biryani, you're living the high life, Ken. Um, I'll start with you, Ken. We'll start with the men's team on Friday night, and we'll have a look at the start eleven. We made three changes to the team that beat Airdrie the week before. Harry Milne came back in at left back for Wazira Williams. Stuart Bannigan, we believe, was ill. Kermack and Roykman for him, and Brian Graham returned for suspension in place of Rico Diak. Ken, were you happy when you saw that start eleven? A, a few changes, a few decisions for Dylan to make. Reasonably happy with it, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the the shock of not seeing Stuart Bannigan on the, the the team sheet was 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 quite a strange one. But you know, considering the circumstances, I mean, I, I believe it was food poisoning. I think Milton's had quite a strange season because um, I think we were, you know, obviously with them signing the signing the new contract, and I I don't. I don't think it's necessarily that he's not kicked on, but he's had a very intermittent season with injury, suspension, and he, he doesn't seem to have got, you know, I think all of us towards the end of last season felt that, you know, he could he could easily go. And when he signed the new contract, I think everyone was really, really happy with it, but he hasn't quite kicked on. And I'd like to think that's because of the kind of breaks in the season. But, I mean, you know, he's... He showed flashes of what he was capable on Friday night. So yeah, I thought I thought the team was set up pretty decently, you know. I think uh, the Harry Milne chat's interesting. We'll maybe go into him a bit later on, but yeah, intermittent's probably a good way to describe his season so far. Heather, what about you? Were you quite happy with the starting eleven when you saw it? Yeah, I definitely was. I think we'd spoken um, previously about the fact that if Graham was available, that he was the choice. And even though um, Rico Dyke had a superb 
debut, it wasn't quite the right time for him. Then, you know, Brian Graham is the top goal scorer for a reason and we needed him in. Harry Milne being back fit was important. Kerr McEnroy kicked on in the last few games and, and definitely has been a game changer. So originally when the game started, I was happy of what was in front of us. I maybe would say that, um, and I know we've talked about this countless times in the podcast, that the subbing and um, and the way, that, the, the order of it and who came on, etc. I would question that. But me at 7.45, I was happy for at least a few minutes until we conceded. Well, David's not here to discuss the, the chippies of Kirkcaldy, but Heather, how did you watch the game on, on Friday night? I think you had a, an unusual, well, a different experience from maybe a typical weekday for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was in um, the director's box of my brother um, and we were the guests of the Rafe Rovers directors. I managed to eat a Empire Biscuit with a Rafe Rovers sticker on it, which was, you know, it felt it felt like the tra- um, being a traitor in the, in the worst way. It's a it's a weird weird experience in there, you know. You're in amongst the the away fans and amongst their hospitality as well, and they're and obviously they're extremely passionate. They are very excited about what's happening at their club right now, and especially with the way the game ended, you can just imagine how painful it was to be, you know, one of the five Thistle fans in a stand of um of very excited Rafe Rovers fans going top of the league. But you know, uh, a lovely pie and cup of tea at halftime. Had a lovely chat of Robert Reed, who's an absolute legend, and um, and yeah, my uh, my niece Evie spent it spent maybe 80, 88 minutes of the game playing with her Barbies and asking everyone what they would like from her shop. Andrew asked for a thistle goal, and she said that would cost us uh, three hundred pounds, which we didn't have to spare. So um, so I do apologise for that, but um, but no, I mean it was a it was it's, it's always a weird it's, it is a weird experience in there, but um. You know what? Well, it's 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 something that um, I have enjoyed in a little bit, but I I can't wait to get back amongst the the Thistle fans for the next game. We could have had a whip round. We not we not offered a, a free conservatory while you were in there. No, unfortunately not. But we did play um, foot hockey with a bottle cap in the boardroom. As like, this is the kind of thing when Evie's older and we look back on. And I'd be like, I remember when you were five and you were doing that in the Ray Fofers boardroom. So, I mean, she's loving the high life. Jamie, what did you make of the game itself? Do you think we were unlucky to come away with nothing? Did, did we deserve anything from the 90 minutes? It was a very mixed performance. I thought we were terrible in the first half. We were second to every 50-50. Distribution was really poor. Didn't create a lot. I know we had that chance, which felt like 30 seconds, one minute in the Brian Graham header. But apart from that, I don't really remember any chance we had in the first half. The goal we conceded, if it was a corner or not, it's debatable. But it was terrible defending from the corner. The guy just rising so easily at the back post. And then, I don't know, I haven't watched it back actually. But from behind the goal, it looked like Snedge had done better. The ball went in in slow motion. So not great all round from the defending, goalkeeping from that. It looked on first viewing. Second half, we start so badly. What is it, like three, four minutes into the half? Snedden slices a clearance. We don't close the guy down. It's another goal. It's just really, really cheap again. It's infuriating to start the half like that. And we get back into it with a slice of luck with the own goal. And then we kind of came to life. I thought it was a completely different performance from that point on. Attacking-wise, we looked a lot. We looked like we were on top. Obviously, I think we should have had a penalty before we did, but then we did get a penalty. It's nervous seeing Brian Graham still up to take it, which is bizarre given how good a striker he is, but I don't know, never too convinced of him from penalties, but 
boost their way and then we end up getting the lead. But again, I just think we looked a bit suspect defensively even when we were on top and this ended up, that's what's happened. We've conceded an equaliser and then not switched on from a free kick. And I just, I just don't think we were great overall. We were good going forward for, I'd say, about 25 minutes, really good going forward. But then defensively, I thought we were all over the place all night. So it's a very mixed performance. Do I think we deserved anything? I think... A point would have maybe been fair given how chaotic a game it was. Neither side defended great. Both looked good at attacking at different points of the game. So if we got a fourth one, a four-all would have been an absolutely mad game. But, you know, Rafe keep doing this this season. They win games late on. It's happened again. Ken, what about you? Totally in agreement with what Jamie's saying there, actually. It it, it seemed to me that, you know, we, we really didn't offer anything at all in the first half. And I think we were probably quite lucky to go in at 1-0 down. I mean, every second ball was coming back to Wraith. You know, for the goal, people are talking about Snedden as if he's wholly culpable. And I, I mean, he didn't cover himself in glory with it. But I don't understand what Muirhead is doing, getting out jumped by a guy who's probably six inches shorter than him for the header. It, it, it just seemed to me that it was a very typical Starks Park game for us. Now... I was thinking about this and we were discussing it in the WhatsApp group. Our record at Starks Park is awful. It really is. It's one of those grounds where it doesn't matter where Wraith Rovers are in the league and it doesn't matter where we are in the league. I mean, you know, the the, the classic example is the the game, the last game of the, the, the official season, last season before the playoffs started. And everyone's going, Wraith are the only team in the league with nothing to play for. And we end up sneaking a 2-2 draw. And I think last night, you know, you can blame the pitch. You can talk about Wraith and the amount of money they put into the team. I think Murray's probably a very good manager. He's probably in a very similar situation to Doolin in a certain sense. But he's obviously been doing it for a good bit longer. I don't know financially the situation with Wraith particularly, but um, I mean, I think Wraith were well worth a lead at half time. I suppose looking at the second half, I was, you know, when they score, you're like, of course that's going to happen because Doolin's half time chat, chat is keep, keep the ship steady. We'll see if we can sneak something. And of course, within three or four minutes, we lose something. And for us to go three, two up, I mean, it was a great free kick for McEnroy. It was a definite penalty. And like Jamie said, you, we could have got a very similar one for the previous. And then the, the Blair Olsen sliding in at the back post was excellent. And you're like, we really don't deserve this. You know, and when, when you start, I mean, it would have been brilliant if we could have hung on to it. But the way Wraith were playing, they're quite relentless, you know. So I... I don't like to say it, but I think Wraith were well worth a win. You know, I mean, if we'd sneaked a draw, it would have been sneaking it. You know, they would have been going over to Dublin with stripey T-shirts and the luggage packed and bags marked swag, you know. I agree with you, Ken. I'll, I'll come to you in a minute, Heather, for a, another Blair Austin apology. But I think, Jamie, you were saying we, we maybe could have deserved a draw. I think even if we got a draw, it would have been a bit of a robbery. And we got our three goals in a sort of, I think it was a sort of 15, 20-minute spell. And even in that spell, I didn't think we were outstanding. We were definitely on top in the game, but it wasn't as if we were, I don't think we were playing great football. It just seemed to, 
we, we seemed to get on top just by chance because we got an own goal and then Wraith were like, oh, oh God, they're back in it. And we just seemed to carry the momentum. I don't think we were even particularly great. I thought, to be fair, there was a couple of individuals I thought were OK. I thought Fitzpatrick had a, another good game. He seems to be adding consistency to his game, which is good. I thought Brian Graham was OK. <laughs> I come on after we could beat 5-0 off Dundee United. I don't want to turn into the negative voice of the podcast, but I gave the team a bit of a slag. And then I, I, I think this was similar. I really think if this was a sort of 2 or 3-0 defeat, we couldn't have any complaints. As a football cliches enthusiast, I know we have plenty of them in our listenership. Uh, Jamie, I have to disagree that Sneddon sliced his, his clearance for the second goal. That was that was a sclaff or a hook. Uh, I'm not having sliced for that one. I don't think Sneddon had a great night. I've got sympathy for him for the first goal, to be honest, because I think it's Vaughn that's standing right in front of him from the corner, and he looks to get a flick out, a flick on the ball, and he's definitely claiming it, but that is obviously Sneddon's line of sight, and I've got a bit of sympathy for him for the first one. The second one is just very a very bad kick, and then I think I said on Friday night as well, that that, that sort of trio at the back, Sneddon, Muirhead, and Nielsen, I think they have been solid since the Dundee United game. Well, for the last two months, really, I think they've been solid. But the Dundee United game and there on a Friday night, they both all had stinkers, like all three of them, and both of those games had stinkers. Is that unlucky that they've they've just had their two bad games against the two best teams in the league? Or is that a sign that they are probably good championship players and not great championship players? And we'll probably find that out at the end of the season, but I'm probably leaning towards more that they're good championship players and not great championship players. Maybe that's harsh on Nielsen because he's a young player, he's on loan, and he's shown a lot of promise. But I think it's part of, of, a, of a trio, and we'll come on to where we need to strengthen in January. I think that's where I'd be looking to strengthen in, in January, especially in the centre-back positions, because I think it's it's sort of OK to good, but it's, it's certainly not great. Heather, do you want to come in with your take on, on Friday night? I, I mean, I agree with a, with a lot of what everyone said. I think that we were extremely lucky to, to to get in the position that we did. You know, we didn't really have that many chances and suddenly had three goals. Um, it was quite unprecedented. And I think that getting anything out of that game would have been would have been a steal and um and it's just frustrating to see the way that um that it that it kind of came crashing down because you do think when you know we come back in, we play maybe like about what 20 minutes of good football we get three goals and you think why can't we hold on and I think I alluded to it earlier but I think that the um for me I would have brought Wasiri on or um or Bannigan if I know I saw his mum had tweeted that he wasn't very well but I am um, I would have found a way to potentially shut up shop a little bit and withstand the Wraith pressure um, I think that Wraith were not to be underestimated and are a very good team. And also the fact that they have, as Jamie said, come back quite a few times. Um, you, you knew the game was never quite done. And um, I just think that we set ourselves up to um, to be too open at, at in, the, in the latter stages. And you could just see, you could see where the cracks were forming. Um I felt also, I mean, if I was Rico Diak, I would be absolutely raging. The fact that Tommy Adelaide got on before me after the way that he um, performed uh, last weekend. And um, I also thought that, I mean, obviously it, it, it was a difficult game to get involved in, but I think that Tommy Adelaide didn't really offer a lot when he came on. I thought he'd want to come and prove a little bit more. And um, and I didn't really see that. Uh, I think it was a tough, a tough uh Friday from your head um for from your head I thought he was he hardly won a header we really struggled with their um 
with the way that they could do their flick-ons and I just constantly felt like we were getting battered on the on the back foot at certain points. I think Wraith have shown that they are very fit, that they're ball winning and they're very connected in the way that they set up. They all know where each other are and I just felt that we it looked like we had a few holes um, and that when the the game plan of of you know releasing Fitzy and and etc wasn't quite working, um, I think we struggled to know uh, what Plan B was. But it was a frustrating game because we did we did all that hard work to get back in it, but you just never never quite trusted it. And I totally agree with what Ken said about the fact that we really haven't had a good experience um, at um, at Rafeovers for quite a long time. And if we're going to continue to set up that way, I don't see that changing. I'll come back to you, Heather, for a word on, on what you would have done in terms of substitutions. I'm always quite wary of, of sort of micro-analysing these things because I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think we're all sort of singing off the, hem, the same hymn sheet. If we, we take a step back, I think we're all really pleased with the job Chris Tulin's doing at the club at the moment. I think the tail end of last season was brilliant and obviously this season we're third and I think under difficult circumstances that's that's more than acceptable. But in terms of, of Friday's game, if we are going to micro-analyse and this isn't a a real criticism of Dylan, because as I say, I think we think he's doing a good job. What would you have done differently in the second half, Heather, when we went three to up? Yeah, well, firstly, I, I I really want to make it clear that I am not calling for Dylan's head in any way. I think Chris Dylan is an absolutely sensational man and manager, and um, and I'm I'm certainly not saying saying that. I'm just um, I think. We need to be able to criticise Chris Dillon and um and when and when things are not going the way that we wanted, I think it's I think as fans we need to not be scared to you know voice our opinions uh, at certain points. For me, and I'll fully admit, I know you asked me for an apology about about Blair Alston. I just turned uh, to my brother and said, really think Alston should go off, and he goes and scores. So I am. Um, I really was eating my own words at that point, but um, I think for me, I think I've, I think I said it already. I think Rasiri needs to come on, and we need to strengthen up at the back or bring on a more defensive-minded midfielder, um, because I felt that at, you know against Airdrie in the second half, we we talked that that wasn't a great game, but we definitely we we plugged the gaps that, that were that were made and we made sure that there was plenty of bodies in the box to defend and help. And I just felt that we were constantly, well, I think I said to my brother that it felt like we were playing with a player down because it seemed like they always had an overload. So for me, I would have, I would have potentially gone to a back five or at least brought in Banzo to sit in front of the defence and, and track the runner. There just seemed to always be someone running in eh, unmarked into the box. So for me, I think, like, I mean, and I do in some ways love the fact that we went, let's go attacking and brought on really attacking players, but I just don't think it was the right call for that game. I would love, if, if we're playing a different team in the championship and we're a goal down and we want to go and chase, great. But we're playing Rafe Rovers who have famously come back from, you know, being goals down in the last few weeks. I just think that should have been a more switched on decision. Yeah, that was a good answer. I think the last thing I would say on the game is I don't think alarm bells are ringing for me yet. I was sort of 
pretty pessimistic going into the, the game. I think I predicted a draw. But while I was watching the game on Friday, I don't think it, I think you said it, Jamie. I don't think at any point I, I thought we were going to win. Um, but Wraith are sort of riding that crest. I think Sean McGuigan said it last week. They're on the crest of a wave. And he can't quite put his finger on why they're scoring so many late goals. But it's not in the late goal sense, but just the sort of momentum they've got at the moment. It's almost like us at the tail end of last season. I think when you play teams like that, it's hard to be too critical because they're just going through a, a period where they just seem to be racking up the wins. And I, I think they will finish above us this season. I think it'll be them and Dundee United challenging for the league. And I think we will, I still think we are probably where we're going to be at the end of the season and in, in the playoffs, but not really near the, the league title. And I think for the, the situation we've been in since the summer with the finances, I think that's probably going to be a good result. So no alarm bells going off for me, to be honest. Don't know if anyone else wants to come in for a final word. I think one of the interesting things about the goals that we scored on Friday as well is that they're all different types of goals. You know, they're from uh, corners, from outside the box. Obviously, there's a snade and slip. But the guy's still got to do quite a lot of work there. And I don't think that's something we particularly got with any of our strikers in terms of scoring different types of goals, you know? I mean, we're not mixing it up in the way that Wraith are. I thought the way that Wraith played is the way that we would aspire to play. There's a lot of one-touch stuff going on there. So re-triangles, you know, sort of close passing. Even if you look at the free kick, which we defended appallingly, you know? And, you know, it was a quick free kick, but, I mean, we were totally switched off for that. And the guy gets right to the byline and cuts it across. That must be a tap-in from, what, two yards out or something like that, I think, you know? And, you know, you can say about, but but it's it's about quick thinking. It's about the way, you know, teams move the ball forward. And I thought we were quite sluggish about moving the ball forward. I mean, certainly, see if you, you know, at half-time, you're like, where's Lawless, where's Fitzpatrick? Now, they get more involved in the second half, but teams have worked out quite well that if you stop Fitzpatrick and you stop Lawless with us, then you've got a really good chance of getting a goal at the other end, I think. Amy, I'll come to you with our first listener question. Dave Donnelly's asked, and we did speak about this, I think, on one of the the Lost to Time podcasts, which we'll probably never see the light of day. Uh, Where do you think we need to strengthen in January? Similar to what you said, Matt, earlier about centre-back. I think we need another centre-back in January. I also think Tula mentioned it at the Jack's Foundation Q&A that defensive midfielder was one of the main targets and I think that's something we need. I think for a while we've kind of missed a Abdul Osman type defensive midfielder but we've had Doherty for the previous three seasons who's not quite the same player as Abdul Osman but he's always someone that's in there breaking up the play, distributing the ball, making tackles, winning fouls. I think he was what, the most fouled player in the championship last season. We haven't replaced him this season at all, to be honest. Obviously, Stanway stepped up and Stanway's been great, so it's absolutely no slight on him whatsoever. But he's 19, you can't be expecting him to be filling in for like Ross Doherty at the same level because Doherty's got an experienced pro, he's like 30 years old. He's been the captain of a couple of different teams, so it's, it's, it would be unfair expecting Stanway just to completely be like for like. I think we need to get defensive midfielder in. And apart from that, I think we'd make we'll make two signings, maybe three absolutely maximum, depending on who goes out. I think players going out, I think Wes McDonald would be probably the first to go because the guy's come up from England and he's 
barely got in any game time. I said in the chat, I feel kind of bad for him considering he's moved up here. He doesn't seem to be getting a look in whatsoever. He wasn't even in the squad on Friday night. Uh, I think there'll probably be a couple loans going out, I think. James Lyon might head out on loan because he's kind of fallen out of the picture even though he made a good start to season with a couple goals he was getting the team. I think depending on who we bring in, Diak could maybe go out on loan to League One or something, but I'm not exactly pushing for that right now because he could be an important player for the rest of the season. So, But I think James Lyon can maybe benefit from a loan to League One, kind of similar to what Stanway had last season, that kind of when Stanway went on loan to Airdrie. I think if Lyon went on loan to maybe a promotion playoff chasing team, that could be that could be the real making of him, similar to if Stanway's now broken into team after Airdrie loan. So some of that could be good. And if we were to have a couple of departures, I think maybe we could bring in someone to replace one of them, like a winger on loan or a striker on loan or whatever, something like that. But I think a defensive midfielder and a centre-back the priorities. I'm quite disappointed that the, the Rico Diak analysis we did last week will be lost to time because I think we all, we all made some decent points about him. I, I don't think I would loan him out in January because I think we saw in the game we played against Sergio that we are sort of moulding him to be the Brian Graham replacement. I think that the more he trains with the first team, the more he gets to work with Brian Graham, I think that will be good for him. And I think he's he's definitely going to get minutes this season, hopefully more than he got on Friday night. But I think he's going to get minutes and I think staying with Brian Graham and staying in around the first team will benefit him. I've heard a few names mentioned. Like I've heard was it Lee Ashcroft's name pop up this week. I think centre-half's the key one. I, I think holding midfielders maybe a, a luxury that if we could afford I'd go for but if, if it's a, a case of one player what do you want I think I want a, a centre-back Heather do you agree any any areas you'd like to strengthen in January any players you can see heading towards the exit door I'm in full agreement with um with what you've said I think that maybe a defensive midfielder and a, a centre-back are probably um, our biggest needs. I'll be interested to see what happens with some of our loan deals. Um, but obviously, I think that we know from earlier this season about the financial um, things that are happening, you know, that happened over the last little while at the club. And I think we have to have realistic expectations. And, you know, we we can't we, we, we can't just go with like a, a shopping list and go, I want this, I want that. I think um, it's going to be uh, you know what a, a tricky learning curve for Chris Dillon and um, I think we have to have realistic hopes and um, and it will and, and potentially loan deals is going to be more of an option. We'll look ahead to, to Saturday's game now we're travelling to East End Park to play Dunfermline uh, Ross Alexander was in our replies asking if we should consider our back three I think he was talking about the end of end of the game on Friday night but I think this is an interesting question getting into our next little run of games now that Waziri Williams is, looks to have got a bit of confidence he started playing well in the last month or so is a back three an option do we think we should be tinkering with the shape because we were on a good run before Friday night's game Ken can you see Chris Doolan making any changes to the, the personnel or the shape on Saturday I don't I don't foresee that to be honest with you I mean I think Doolan's probably considering previous games of it against Fairmont's probably a decent handle on how they play. I suppose away from home, it's it's a different kind of setup. But I mean, if we look at our, you know, you were saying there about the, the, the previous results, we've now got the issue which we have had in previous seasons where we can get results against the teams lower than us in the league, but we don't seem to be able to do it against the ones in or around where we are. Now, 
I mean, I haven't had a look at the league. You know, I don't look at the league table when we lose. So I'm not entirely sure where them firm. Are they lurking about? Kind of, are they on our coat tables or something like that? You know, if it's if it's an issue where confirm we're going to catch or overtake us, you know, we really really need to go for it. And I think I think we've got the measure of one, which is not something I would have said most seasons, um, because they've always had quite a decent team. I mean, if we can just get Ross Forbes in the midfield there to do one of his daisy cutters, I think we'll be absolutely fine. But uh, I don't think he's available for selection. But yeah, I mean. I think I'd be quite happy for him to go with effectively the same team that started on Friday there, because if you know if we can get in amongst them, I I I think Dunfermline are finding the championship a lot tougher than they maybe I I kind of tipped them to be in a, in amongst the top end of things, and I think the nature of the championship this season is, is that there are effectively eight teams who can see themselves in the playoff places. And I would exclude probably now our growth. Morton were one of the ones who I thought would maybe kick on. Obviously not anymore. Inverness, Cali, I think are probably going to be scuffling around the bottom. But I'd be quite happy to see a set up exactly the same way that we we had on Friday and see how that works out. They they are fourth in the league, Dunfermline. I think they could go just a point behind us if, if they win on Saturday and they do have a game in hand as well. Um, I think the, the 3-0 win that we had over them at Farhill should hopefully give us a bit of confidence. But uh, Jamie, I'll come to you. Do you agree with Ken? Would you be quite happy with the, the same team on Saturday? If Bannigan's available, I'd bring him back in. This is going to sound so harsh, but the player in the midfield I'd drop is Alston, to be honest. It's Alston's a funny one. I was saying on Friday that he kind of reminds me of Shea Gordon in the way that he kind of can go missing in games, but then pops up for an important goal. And it's not that I thought Alston's been bad these last few games at all. It's not that. I just think quite often he doesn't have a great amount of creative impact on the overall game. But then he'll pop up with a, either like a fantastic goal or just an important goal like he did on Friday. So it's not like he's not contributing anything. It's just that he can kind of go through games slightly. So I think I'd probably like to go to a midfield free, if if possible, banning against Stanway and McEnroy. Probably how McEnroy a bit further forward than he was on um, Friday. For the back four, I think Dolan will probably just stick with the same. But if Musiri came in for Aaron Muirhead, I don't think he could have a huge amount of complaints because I think Muirhead's been a bit shaky. Especially on Friday, he thought he was he was pretty poor then. I'm not just going to go in on him. It's not like he's been trashed every week or anything. It's just I don't think he had a good game on Friday. So you never know sometimes if, if people will get dropped for that. The only other thing I could see if Banning is still out is you could put Rossidi back into the back four and then move Lewis Nielsen as a kind of sitting in front of the defence kind of player. Because Dylan's mentioned that he can play him at defensive midfield. He's happy to play in that role. And I think Hearts have played him there a few times. So I don't know. There's a couple of options, but realistically, I think he'll stick with a 4 3 3 and just bring Banning back into the midfield. I quite like your call there at the end if, if Stuart Bannigan is unavailable, Jamie, of, of moving Nielsen in to midfield. I think that could be an interesting one and a, and a way to, to get a confident Waziri Williams into the team as well. But I do think Stuart Bannigan was such a big miss on Friday night. I think him not being in the team meant we couldn't really build up attacks. I thought we struggled with possession. I thought Wraith had a lot of runners from midfield as well that weren't being tracked. And that's the sort of work that maybe sometimes goes unseen that Stuart Bannigan does. So I think if he is fit and healthy, he definitely comes into the side for me. But Nielsen moving into the midfield is quite an interesting call. Heather, I'll come to you for your, your thoughts on the team as well, and you can kick us off with a score prediction this week. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if we go for a bit of a change. 
actually, um, something that we haven't talked about, and I'd and I'd said on in, on Saturday, um, and I sort of Friday, and I don't know if it will happen, but at some point, I'd actually quite like to see two up front and just do, do a bit of a change. But I think that if Bannigan's fit, I'd like to see him back in. I'm not quite sure about. I just don't think that Wasiri is strong enough to come in and be, um, to come in and, and replace Muirhead. Um, and be and be in there with Nielsen, but um, I do think that this will be this won't be an easy game, and um, and I think well, what I hope for that if there is um, a change needed, that we do it quicker, and that we um, almost you know like if we have to make a change at half time, for example, that would be it. But for me, potentially swapping Alston for um, for Bannigan uh, to start with, and then and see how that goes. And obviously, Nat's quite excited about it being a um, Dunfermline away game. Um, my first one as a as a as as a Fife resident, so um, I'm excited for, in some ways, a home fixture for myself. A very very hard uh, seven minute journey for me um, to East End Park, so I'm excited for that. Has to be a thistle win, and um, I think it'll be I think it will be tough, but I'm I'm going to go for a classic uh, scoreline of a two one thistle win. But I don't think I don't think there'll be a goalie change. I know a lot of people are asking for that, but I think we have got two goalkeepers who can make fantastic saves and both who can make huge mistakes. And I don't think that if that any goal in there was purely Steddon's fault. I think there were goals that potentially he could could have done better in. But I think a lot. I think our defence and potentially our midfielders need to hold their hands up and say they didn't do their best to help him, shall we say? And I just think that we need our players to have confidence. And I think that Snedden being dropped there would be, for me, a little bit too harsh. So, um, and I'm not the David Mitchell's biggest fan, but um, I think that. I don't think there'll be a goalie change and I'm hoping for a 2-1 Thistle win. I did really enjoy, I don't know if everyone caught it, Jamie Snedden asking the bench to go up for the corners that we had at the end. He was like trying to catch Dylan's eye or Paul, and they were kind of ignoring him a little bit. And I can understand that. I mean, it's been, an, it's been a year. He's obviously desperate to get back on the score sheet and what a story that would have been, but wasn't to be. I think that's the worst thing Chris Dillon's done since he, since he got the job, to be honest. I thought it was a disgrace. Um, no, I wouldn't change the goalkeeper either. I think both goalkeepers, I think we know, make mistakes. But I think Jamie Snedden's ceiling is much higher than David Mitchell. I think Snedden wins his points that Mitchell doesn't, um, despite the mistakes that we maybe saw at, at least one of on, on Friday night. So I'd be happy for Snedden to, to stay in goals. But that probably goes without saying four years into this podcast. Um, Jamie, a score prediction from you? I've never actually seen us win at East End Park because the only time we've won there in like the last decade was, yeah, really the last decade was the 3-0 game that was no away fans were allowed due to COVID restrictions or regulations or whatever. And the last time we won there was March and we won 4-0 in the first division. I mean, the last time we won there in front of away fans outside of that other 3-0. So... I'd like to see us run there eventually. I never feel confident going East End Park, but I'm going to say we win 3-1. Uh, I'm not going to say it's the most convincing performance, but we win 3-1. So, there you go. That's wild. Um, Ken, a prediction from you? 
That's that's really interesting what Jamie was saying there, actually, because I, you know, compared to like Starks Park, I've all, I'm always like, yeah, we always do quite well at Doomfell. I mean, I've seen some some real rubbish there, you know, but I, I seem to remember us playing reasonably well there and getting quite decent results. So I'm going to go three one as well, actually. I think we might make it quite nervy. But I think we'll be okay. And of course, is it still Stevens that do the Bradys there? I certainly hope so. Yeah, absolutely. That because that's an important part of the day. It definitely is. We love it. Is Stevens? There's a Stevens drive-through on the way (laughs) to the game as well, and I would would really recommend it. It's the only bakery drive-through in Scotland, and it is fantastic. It is three minutes from my house, and. It's almost illegal how how great it is. A drive-through bakery, right? No, this is this is worth a discussion on its own, isn't it? <laughs> Hello, David here, recovered from his illness and with his new laptop charger. Apologies for the lack of pod over the last two weeks. Uh, my prediction for this week: I don't think I'm filming as good a side as Rafe, and I think they would probably have the better squad than them. Starch Park, East End Park, very similar in terms of terrible away records but I feel more confident that we'll get a result there than we will against Rafe I'll go 3-1 Thistle as well I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw I don't like Jamie I don't think I've seen his win at East End Park I was just totting up our, our aggregate scores of our last few visits and it's just double figures for Dunfermline against a couple of goals for us we've taken a few doings there in recent years I think Dunfermline have picked up a little bit in the league since, since we last played them I'm going to go for a 1-1 I think we will score but I don't think we're, we're there for a clean sheet at the moment, so I'm going to go for for a 1-1 draw on Saturday. We will have a chat about the Partick Thistle women's team. Heather, I know you were there today. It was a, it was a tough one. It was a 4-1 defeat to Hearts. What did you make of the game? I will admit that I arrived at 1-1, so I actually never saw Thistle score, though I did see them score the, the goal that was in disallowed, and I do think that was a real shame for them. So they were... 2-1 down from, um, a, there was a free kick um, that Hearts got and then we we equalised to make it 2-2 and then the referee and linesman got in a bit of a tiz with each other and decided that the ball had gone out for a corner before the own, an own goal by Hearts was scored and I think that really changed, that whole decision really changed the game. And then later on Demi uh, Faulkner was red carded and I don't know about you Matt but I thought that was pretty harsh I thought that there was certainly other 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 players around her I don't really think she was the last woman but um that again your view maybe potentially was better than mine for that for that part but um it was a really it was a horrible day to day you know the rain was lashing and uh, spirits were low but I also felt like it wasn't quite connecting and I was talking to a few of the people who go maybe a little bit more regularly to Peter Hill than I do and they were saying that it just there was there was a there was a missing link today but I thought Rosie Slater had a fantastic game and quite rightly got a um, player of the match and it was actually you know the the scoreline doesn't reflect the chances that they had and um and they were quite they were quite unlucky the referee had a kind of mad game of carding people for things I didn't really think deserved it and then not giving decisions for very clear fouls and I think that's kind of spurred on a conversation on Twitter about the officiating at this level and things and um, I do I, I felt really sorry for the, the women's team today because they, they played well and they and they hustled when it was quite tough 
and things just didn't seem to go for them. I don't know if you agree with that, Matt. Yeah, I actually made my, my co-commentary debut for the, the live stream of the game today alongside Kieran Tui in the commentary box. So thank you for him. Thank you to him for guiding me through uh, my debut. And I had a, a really nice time doing that. And that's part of a, a podcast that's going to be looking at a, a match day and a match week for a Partick Thistle women's match, which will be released in, in January. So keep your eyes out for that. I think on the game, I agree with you, Heather. I thought there was something missing. Hearts started the better team, I think, in the first 10 minutes. They were on top and Thistle's goal sort of came against the run of play. But then after that, from about from basically from 1-1 onwards, I think it was an even game until Hearts went 3-1 up. I think Thistle pressed really well and they maybe stopped Hearts from playing as well as Hearts would have liked to have played. But I think with the ball, I think players like Emma Lawton who have been so impressive this season, Cara Henderson, I think Hearts' plan was to sort of stop them and, and, and they did that. They weren't as effective as they could have been. I thought this was midfield was very effective. We gave man of the ma- uh, player of the match to Amy Bullock in commentary and I can't disagree with Rosie Slater getting it from the sponsors either. I thought they were both very good. On the, the disallowed goal, I've seen it back. It doesn't really look out. I don't think any Hearts players are asking for it and then lots of Thistle players look baffled when the ref gives a corner and the players' reactions are normally key. Um, I listened to Brian Graham's post-match interview and I know he doesn't think it was a red card for Falconer. As soon as she's pulled the attacker, I think it was Tim's back, I think myself and Kieran Comedy have both sort of made the same noise and went, ah, I think she might go off here. So I think that was a sort of borderline one which didn't go for us, but I don't think you can really have too many complaints about that. I thought the key moment though was was the disallowed goal because at that stage that was this was best period of the match. They had a couple of really good chances from from set pieces that they didn't take, um, free headers in between the goalposts that, that they didn't take, and I think that was key. And then Hearts were Hearts were clinical, and I'd probably say Hearts just edged the the ninety minutes, but it, it certainly wasn't a four one. I thought that was a really harsh reflection on the game. But if you if you were to, <laughs> a bit of advice, if if you're freezing at Peter's Hill, go right up the back. It is it is a good few degrees warmer than it is at, at ground level in there. I mean, I think it's probably worth pointing out here, actually, the, the the run that the women's team have been on of recent, you know, and, you know, they're, they're kind of chatting in the door there. And I suppose the, the issue for Brian Graham and the women's team generally is how do they make the leap to the next level? Because effectively, we're, pro- correct me if I'm wrong in this one, Heather, but I think we're, we're the top place part-time team in the league now. In fact, you know, we're, are, are we still fourth? I think we were fourth at full time. I think Hibs were playing. I'm not sure uh-huh. what happened. Yeah. There. So effectively looking at it, you know, I suppose we're as high as we would be expected to go, considering our status as a, a, a part-time team. Um, and I suppose the other issue there is what happens if other teams come in and sort of effectively start poaching our players, which would be absolutely fair if they want to develop their careers, you know, as, as full-time women footballers, you know? We are, we are still fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, hearts, hearts are, hearts are behind us, hearts and hips, but I think both of them have gone on better, better runs recently. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. But I mean, our run's been absolutely exceptional, considering what the schedule looked like anyway. Uh, and considering how we were playing as well. So, I mean, I think, I mean, I think I mentioned it on Twitter or something like that. They should, they should just give Brian Graham manager of the year right now, you know. <laughs> 
definitely. I, d- I don't want to spoil our, our pod that we've got coming out next month too much, but I, I spoke to Brian Graham for it and he asked him if, if money was no object and you could go full-time, would you? And he said he'd love to. He's got them in training three times a week rather than two, which I think is the usual for part-time. So that they are taking it, obviously taking it very seriously and trying to get as much professionalism installed in, in what they do on a week-to-week basis as possible. And I think the results of, of what Graham's been doing with the, the team that are or shown in the league position and the recent run of form. It's a shame we've not had a pod out in the last couple of weeks to, to sort of wax lyrical, but I think it was five wins in a row. But yeah, it was an unfortunate one today because I think they played they played well without the ball. I think they played okay-ish with it, but it, it wasn't a 4-1 game. Heather, do you want to tell us a little bit about the That Guy campaign that her game to and the club are supporting? Yes, thank you, Matt. So on the 23rd of December, um, our final home game of of the season before Christmas we are um, going to be supporting the don't be that guy campaign some of you may have seen it before especially at Scotland games it's a, a or it's a campaign which police Scotland are championing at the moment and um, I think it's absolutely brilliant so basically it's just about calling out your friends for inappropriate comments and songs or maybe not even things that you find in like not like outwardly inappropriate just like trying to think about making everyone making sure they feel welcome and safe and in, and and included in the environment you're in and just saying like don't be that guy who could be the reason why certain people don't come back to the football or don't feel welcome in the support and you know the videos that they've released are brilliant about you know like guys being in the pub and just um and making like kind of like the wrong decisions and just sometimes I find like the best advice I get is when my friends are honest with me about something that maybe I've done wrong or something they think I could have done better at and coming from your friends is such a powerful thing so it's going to be kind of like the show races and the red card in the sense of I think all the players will come out with with like a kind of poster holding it up and, and I think there's going to be a few things like from the club in the week coming up to it just uh, promoting it and just making sure that everyone I mean we just want to make sure that everyone feels supported included and involved at Firhill and um and you know Thistle fans are, are are brilliant and have been so supportive of her game too and especially with things that have happened in this week um, in the media and her game to um, throughout England has been very prominent and it's interesting to see you know a lot of Scottish people getting involved in it and I really hope that some more Scottish teams will think about having a partnership with her game too because I think it's so important and um, and I really hope that through this Inverness game raising awareness of the That Guy campaign at not just at international level with the Scotland team but also within a, um, a Scottish prim- uh, sorry, a Scottish Championship team, that we can um, just start to influence society with it. And again, we're the first team that have um, reached out to them and, and, and asked for this to happen. And um, we're, so we're kind of like the guinea pigs of it, but I think it's something that we can be really proud to be part of and, um, and just... And it's also, you know, there's a lot of advice there for people who maybe you don't know how to call out your friend for some of their comments and things. And um, and I know that there's a lot of there's a lot of help um, within the um, the stuff and the media that they've got. So I really encourage people to check it out. Their videos are super 
they have some really good resources that you can be part of and um, and if you're asked to hold up something or say something then I really um, ask you to to be supportive of it because we're trying to make Fur Hill as inclusive as possible. I think Heather's absolutely right there. I, I actually know the person who developed the That Guy campaign. It's a guy called Adrian Cyril that I used to play uh, Sevens down with down at uh, the Fur Hill Complex. And uh, he's got a lot of plaudits for it because effectively what it does is, it, and I think it's really, really important, is it, it, it shifts the emphasis in terms of how people should be accountable for their actions onto men you know, in, in terms of the way they're discussing things, in terms of the way they're saying things, and that sort of perspective on it. And um, I think it's a very, very good perspective. And, and you know, I, I think the way things have changed up at Fur Hill over the past two or three years has been very, very helpful towards the inclusivity thing. But there are always there is always more that can be done. And I think this is a really, really good campaign to support. Absolutely. Yep. I think and I think the club shared some stuff that you can you can read about if you want to find out any more. But no, I agree with you, Ken. It's a, a really good campaign. So thanks for thanks for that information, Heather. Um, Jamie, a, a quick, a very quick word on on Doctor Who. What a buzz it has been to have to have it back. Have you enjoyed the last few weeks? Yeah, I enjoyed last night's episode. That was kind of a kind of good feel good episode for it to end on. I enjoyed it. I thought it was Angus set up Gatwa season quite well. I thought the second episode was pretty good as well. I enjoyed that one. Kind of had a slightly midnight feel to it with that kind of eerie episode. Uh, the first episode, yeah, I just didn't think the plot was... I thought it was very rushed. I already spoke to you about this, Matt. I just thought the, it was kind of like, thing happens, thing happens, oh, it's, it's over. And the way Donna could like remember again was a kind of rushed explanation. I don't know. I, I didn't think the first one was great, but it, it wasn't terrible. I just, I just thought it was a bit of a rushed plot, but still... The second one I thought was decent and I really enjoyed the third one. So it got better as it went along. I disagree with you in the first one, but I thought the episode last night was, was absolutely class. The last one, I'm a, right into that. So I saw a very concerning leak a, a few months ago and everything else in the leak had, had come through. And the last thing was that, that uh, Donna was going to regenerate into Shooty Gatwa and that there'd be two doctors at the end. But I think the way they ended up with, sorry, spoilers, spoilers, ended up with two doctors was... Um, well done. I'm, um, I'm back on board with Doctor Who now, actually. <laughs> you know, I, I've been getting, you know, and I, I think probably because I knew I was coming on this, <laughs> I watched it as homework tonight. I missed it last night, you know. So uh, I, I really, really enjoyed last night's one. Neil Patrick Thomas is excellent in it. I think it's very, very good oh, anyway. He, ah, he was class. He was uh, so good. Yeah, and uh, the whole, I mean, it's pretty psychedelic, you know. Yep. I, w- I was going to ask my, my partner this question. It's probably going to be the same. I was going to ask, who do you think could lip sync and dance the best to spice up your life? The the partner's this question officially is which thistle player would do the best and the worst on Strictly. I think it's a Strictly final this weekend. Ben, you, you can you can chime in with your thoughts on who could lip sync and dance like Neil Patrick Harris to, to spice up your life if you want as well. Is this current players or can it be anybody? Do it however you like, Jamie. I feel Joe Carter would have been fantastic on Strictly Come Dancing. You know, he's already he's already got he's already got the the looks for it. I think he's already got the appearance. I think he would have been he would have been brilliant. I can imagine him cutting some shapes. But I feel Ryan Edwards also would have been good. He did love that mad bunny hop thing that or bunny hop kangaroo. Sorry, kangaroo hop that he used to do. And I can imagine that would have translated fantastically onto the dance floor. 
and uh, worst answer. Who, uh, <laughs> I feel like I just did a drive-by Blair Hoxton again. We have said he doesn't really move like a footballer, so I don't know if that would translate well into the test. I'm sorry, Blair Austin, if you ever if you ever do listen to this, you've scored some great goals. If, if Blair Austin scores again on Saturday, I really hope he does a, a dance-inspired celebration. I think that would be tremendous. Uh, I mean, if Blair Austin like, cuts out into the tangle, then I'm happy. If he scores a goal, he can do whatever he wants. Jamie, if he does that, I think you'll have to donate some money to Jags for good. Um, Heather, I'll come to you next. Yeah, I I think I went with current team. Best answer, I've gone with Wasiri. I feel like he looks to me like he's he'd have a lot of fun with that, got a bit of rhythm, and um, yeah, I think Wasiri would be my um, my strictly winner. And worst. Well, I feel I've gone with um I've gone with Iron Muirhead purely because I feel like he could like accidentally like headbutt his partner. Fair enough. Um we appear to have lost Ken, so I'll finish up by saying I think the 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 best might be Chris Erskine, but I don't think it would be very controlled, but I think it would be very entertaining to watch him on strictly. I think it would be, be chaotic in, in the best possible sense. Worst is tough. Um, I'll go Darren McKinnon. I don't think anyone would want to pay any money to watch Darren McKinnon do like a, a samba. Um, <laughs> so I'll go best Chris Erskine. That, that, is, that is some joy. Some joy. <laughs> Darren McKinnon I'll, played like a grand total of an hour's football for us. You're like years later digging him up with his samba dancing. Yeah. Like if you're gonna turn up and you're gonna be shit in your little short spell, that that's the that's the price you have to pay. You're gonna get slagged on podcast years in line. Um we will end this podcast then with the image of Darren McKinnon doing the samba. So if you have made it this far into the podcast, thank you very much. And we will be back next week to look back on our trip to East End Park and then to preview our last game before Christmas at Fur Hill against Inverness. In the meantime, stay safe.